Ah, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Come on inside if you would, man. We uh, check out our new carpet we just had put in the cafe here. Yeah, we wore the old out. kind of got worn and tattered. Got some new carpet down, so make your way across. Grab a table and chairs and hang out with us for the next hour or so here in the Musician's Cafe. My name is Brian Dick, and I'm here with my co-host, a man who can hold a beer and a deep-sea fishing rod all at the same time while catching his limit of snapper, grouper, and mahi-mahi. Fresh off the shores of South Carolina, it's Chris the Barnacle Gray. Chris, my man, how are you feeling, brother? I'm good. I told uh, our guest here before we started that I am still feeling it. I, I'm getting too old for this stuff. And uh, fun fact, I can only hold a beer and a deep sea rod if uh, I'm leaning over the edge of the boat at the same time. Um, but it's okay. I feel better now. I'm recovered. It's getting better. Yeah. You sort of made it worse by drinking the night before and then going fishing, though, right? I don't do that stuff, Brian. I don't drink. I don't drink. <laughs> I forgot your mom and dad are listening. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. We're glad you're here. And once again, we've got another action-packed show ready to go here. We've got our guest with us here, man. I'm so excited to get to know this person because I'm learning about him as we go. But, man, we've got high, uh, high uh, remarks about you. And we've got Rich Ridgel with us. And, Rich, man, how are you feeling? Man, you know, I'm feeling in a good place right now. Good. With everything that I've got going on, I'm feeling like some things are coming together for me in a real way. That's what we want to hear. And we want to find out all about that stuff coming up in a little bit. But in the meantime, Chris, do you mind if I knock out this mini real quick? Yeah, tell me uh, what's going on in the area. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. We're going to start over the mountain again at Tally Ho Theater. Um, on Thursday night, they got a show called Socks in the Frying Pan. Sounds pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's, it sounds yeah, smelly. It's Irish music, actually. It's a group from Ireland, a okay. uh, three-piece group from Ireland, and apparently it's pretty high energy, uh, but also stays kind of true to you know Irish music, which is kind of cool. So that should be fun. That is on Thursday. On Friday night, they have a comedy night. The DC Improv comes in, takes over for a night. They have an early and a late show for that. And then on Saturday night is Theater of Crew. And I have never seen this group, but I bet it's fun. It's a Motley Crew group. Uh, Band is uh, you know, cover band is, is everybody I'm sure recognizes, but I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. So you can make it out to Tally Ho on Saturday night. Hollywood Casino has nothing going on until the first part of September. We're gonna go ahead and give those dates up on the second. They've got 38 Special, okay? Yeah, you know, cool band from back in the day, right? And then I thought this was interesting too. On Saturday, 9 3, September 3rd, they have Beatles versus Stones. Rich, are you a fan of either one of those bands, the Beatles or the Stones? Absolutely both. Both. So if you got a head-to-head, who do you think is going to win on that one? Yeah. For me, it's the Beatles. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm going to say, I love the Stones too, man, but it sounds kind of cool, you know. But anyway, that's not coming up till September, but keep that in front of you, folks, because that should be a good show. Bear Chase Brewery is going to be loaded for the weekend on uh, Thursday night. Take that back. Friday night is Jim Steele. And then on Saturday is Lenny Burridge for the early show and Justin Sway coming in to finish out the evening. And then on Sunday, they've got Kevin Griffith uh, over at Bear Chase. No relation to Andy, I don't think. Uh, but that should be a good time over there. Box Office Brewery is busy for the weekend as well. On Friday night is Scott Sanford and the Wichita Falls Band. Um, and along with on the 19th Saturday is Robbie Lyman. Rich, are you familiar with Scott Sanford at all? Does that, do you recognize that one? Hmm. Yeah, I don't either. How about you, Chris? Did you? No. Yeah, I don't know, Doesn't. but I'm sure they're good, right? I know Robbie Lyman. Yeah, definitely know Robbie. Robbie's oh, a good yeah. friend of the show, for sure. So, uh, Troubadour Park and Lounge up in scenic Berkeley Springs, West Virginia on Saturday. Nope, take the back. Now i got to make sure I keep up with the dates here. This is actually Friday night. They normally do Saturday shows. 
This is a Friday night show up at Troubadour, and it's Sylvia's birthday bash. Uh-oh. Yeah. You know it's going to be dangerous up there, though. Exactly. It's going to be a good time. They've got Ivy and Haynes. Now, normally it's Ivy and Kramer. Everybody knows Dean Kramer. Apparently, he uh, is unable to make the show, so it's Ivy and Haynes. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. And so go up and say happy birthday to Sylvia. Buy her a drink. I'm sure she'll need one. And uh, it should be a good time at, up at the Troubadour. I heard she knows the owners. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Yeah. So I'm sure Tony will be... Uh, be taking care of her that night, I'm sure. The Monument, moving closer to town. And I was at the Monument the other night, Chris. It was a lot of fun, man. It was cool. We were down there for Ryan Jules' release party on Friday night. Yeah. Good time. It was a good time. Yeah. Good, good. What a great place. Uh, Friday night at the Monument is the Steel Woods. They've been through here quite a few times and have a big following. Uh, I know uh, several people that are going to go to that show on Friday night. And then on Saturday, the Red Clay Strays. And they're along with the Taylor Scott Band, and they have special guests Brady Heck and Mackenzie Rourke. Um, so a big weekend at the Monument. Have you seen the Red Clay Strays? I haven't seen them, but I know the talk about them is pretty serious. So yeah, right. Uh, there's it's going to be full. Right, they have it's a three three gigger that yeah that right night. exactly yeah it sure is. I think the doors open like early, like at seven or something like that. But uh, have you been down to the Monument? You, like yeah, down there? it's it's awesome in there. It, it kind is, of blew right? me away. I'm just like, this exists in Winchester, <laughs> right? It's really professional looking when you walk in. The stage is so cool looking and the lighting and everything. So it's a great place to go. So guys, make it out to Monument if you can. Uh, Bright Box, just down the street a little bit. It's got a busy weekend as well, too. On Friday night, they got Black Flag. And folks, we've talked about them on, uh, on the show before. Henry Rollins used to sing for the band back in the day. They are a, you know, a, a punk band that has been around forever. And they are sold out again. Sold out oh, wow. quickly. So, yeah, so that's going to be a, a really good show. I know people are looking forward to that. On the 19th Saturday, the next night, uh, part of the Hanley 100-year celebration, none other than Mojo Mothership. And uh, I'm proud to say I have my tickets. I'm going to go see that. Robin and I are going to go down and check out the Mothership on Saturday night. And it uh, should be a good time. Rich is a Hanley grad. Are you, are you really? Yep. What year? 2007. Oh, wow. So have you been part of the 100-year celebration yet? Have you got caught up in that yet? Not really too much. Right. Beautiful school you have over there, though. Yeah. It's really cool. It's okay. I made good buddies with uh, Eugene Smith. Yes. He, oh, yeah. He did paints. the watercolor for yeah. that, and mm-hmm. he showed me that. It was so pretty. Eugene's so talented. Yeah, he is. Yeah, absolutely. And been doing it for a long time. A real credit to this town, for sure. Um, right around the corner on... Piccadilly Street, Piccadilly Public House has got a busy weekend on Friday night. They have none other than Ryan Jewell. And Ryan just uh, released his new album, Same Bar, Different Town. Uh, had a good time uh, watching him on Friday night. So go by and check out Ryan and say hello to him. I'm sure he'd be glad to hear from you. And then on Saturday night, it's Chris Harrison at Piccadilly. So it should be a good time down there, too. Backseat Event Center, I have them down as a September show, but I didn't have anything in August. Uh, they just finished the big kick show this past weekend, so... Maybe they're going to take a week or two to kind of gather themselves. But on September 1st, it's Taylor Honeycutt. And opening up for him, Chris, is Brennan Edwards and the Monday Blues Band, man. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Taylor was here uh, earlier for the uh, Katie Teets right, Country right. Music yeah, Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's phenomenal. Uh, and, of course, we know Brennan. He's great. Um, you know, I, I feel like so they, they packed the place for the 49 uh, concert. The Kicks concert was it, at capacity again. Right, right. Uh, I mean, it, it was amazing pictures from in there. You just sure. see people shoulder to shoulder. I have a feeling uh, if you guys listen to Taylor Honeycutt, um, you, you're going to want to, it's going to be pretty full right, too. Yeah. Right. Definitely check out Backseat Bar and Grill's uh, Facebook page too. They'll have whoever they have this weekend. They didn't have it up yet, um, but I'm sure they're going to have music Saturday night. They usually do, so you can check it out. Um, Paladin, 
out in Stevens City on Thursday night, they got Shane Click, and he's going to be there. That's going to be kind of cool. And then on Friday night is Jay Halterman. And on the 19th, Saturday night rounding out the weekend is the Jess Spoon Band. So you can stop out at a uh, Paladin out in Stevens City, and um, it'll be a good time out there, too. P2 has a couple acts, too. On Friday night is Fast Eddie. He's a regular there. And then on Saturday night, none other than our friend, uh, Six Strings and Bourbon. Adam's going to be out there. Adam Phelps is going to be out uh, hollering out the hits out there. So it'll be a good time. Stop by and see him, too, for sure. I'm almost finished, folks. I promise. West Oaks Farm Market has a big weekend, too. On the 18th, Justin Starnes Band is going to be opening up for Blue Ridge Rain. Chad Laughlin and him have a new release coming out, too, if I'm not mistaken. He's always got new stuff coming out, man. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me anymore. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're having a celebration of that, too. Saturday during the day, Dylan Wolfel. Dylan and I are going to get together and drink some Bush Lights, too, man. <laughs> and then on Sunday, it's going to be River Mason. So make sure you stop by this weekend out at West Oaks, man. West Oaks is such a great place to go. And the weather this weekend is supposed to be crazy good. So it'd be a good weekend to go out there. Um, and that's all I got, except I got Mission Road. Uh, they reached out to me. Mission Road Duo is going to be at Alfredo's on Saturday night in Charlestown. That's going to be uh, Elliot and uh, and it's, it, Elliot and the guys up there. Girls, I should say. She listen to me. Golly, Ned. But we're going to have uh, Mission Road Duo is going to be out there on the 19th at Alfredo's. So make sure you check that out. And that's all I got, Chris, except for my question. Oh, you do have a question. I do. I'm excited for it. Rich, if you get the question, you get a shiny nickel. <laughs> Ooh. What do you got, Ryan? Well, it's kind of this one kind of shocked me a little bit because I actually went back and researched this to make sure this this question was correct. But here's the question: See if you can figure it out. Formed in 1974, this fan club holds the Guinness Book of Records for the longest running for any rock band. Name the rock band. Name the band that this fan club is was put together for and they're still going formed in 1974 and the longest running according to Guinness book. So to have a fan club, do you have to have meetings? I think, I don't know if you have to have some sort of uh, mem- membership situation. I would imagine, you know, like my first guess would be, you know, obviously the biggies and we talked about Beatles or stones, but it's not either one of those. So it, 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 it kind of got me. I was a little bit shocked by the answer. Um, but is what, it, is yeah, it a band or a solo? It's a band. a band. It's definitely a band. Yeah, I'll give that hint. It's definitely a band. I'll have to think about it. How I'll... long was the band together before <laughs> the fan club was founded? <laughs> well, uh, it uh, actually wouldn't would have been much before that. You know, it was probably a few years, like 71-ish okay. or something. But you can think about it a little bit. I mean, the band is obviously a huge band when I give the answer. It's not, not a big deal about that, but I was just shocked that it would have been even something a little bit further back is what threw me off. But think about it. You got an answer? You got a shot at it? I'm going to say Leonard Skinner. That's a good guess. Based that, on the years you told me. Exactly. That's a really good guess and, and and probably definitely one that would become to most people's mind. That's not the one, not the answer. How about you, Chris? You got one? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, man. I don't. Well, we'll, we'll find it. out later. Yeah, though, we'll give we? it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Well, thanks for running through that, Brian. Yeah, um, the menu for this weekend. Y'all get out there and support local venues, local artists in the area. They're working hard for you. It's hot. Uh, like Brian said, the weather's going to be great this weekend, so make sure you get out and hear some live music. Uh, enjoy Frederick County, Winchester, uh, just like we will be as well. Episode yeah. 59, we're getting it kicked off here uh, with Rich Rigel, and he is here in the studio with us today. Rich, Welcome. We're glad you're doing well, man. And, uh, you know, I've known you for a long time. It's been a uh, long time. It, it has been. And I, I saw you the other day. Uh, it was maybe a month ago now. And 
I was like, man, I do know that kid. And then all the memories kept coming back. So, uh, and I'm glad uh, we reconnected. You know, you've been uh, in the music business for a long time. Yeah. So um, I graduated Hanley in 2007. And I decided that, you know, I wanted to make a go at, at music. So there was a really great music college. And it was actually right in town, Shenandoah Conservatory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was blessed enough to be able to go there. And at, at first I had a really hard decision to make because I was playing saxophone in the high school band. And it was like, well, do I want to study jazz on saxophone? But I had already picked up the guitar and I was like playing in bands in high school and I'd really fallen in love with the guitar. So eventually I settled on guitar. And then there was a question of, well, what do I want my major to be? Just jazz performance? Because they, they didn't have too many majors back then. It was classical performance, jazz performance. And... Then they came up with this program called, uh, it had an old name before, I can't remember it, but now it's called the Music Production and Recording Technologies gotcha. Curriculum. Right, okay. And, and we know Golder's, yeah. um, Golder O'Neill yeah. from yeah. that program. Talked about that. So, yeah, yeah, you said you had him on one of the episodes. He was did. actually my instructor for, awesome. for a lot of the classes. Him Very and cool. another guy, Adam Olson. Uh, there's a new guy that took over. Um, he plays keyboards in that other band graham spice yeah graham spice there you go um, yeah, yeah. with uh sold out sold out that's what yep. it was yep. yep so he he's where adam was i never got to meet him yet but I, i've heard great things and i know uh daniel kelling well, worked closely with him he's one of my buddies yeah. from back in the day he does a lot of local music stuff too recording yeah. and stuff but so i settled on music production and recording because it seemed like a good idea at the time yeah <laughs> no you know um Freshman in college, I didn't know what I was wanted yeah, to right, do. Yeah, and um, and as I got more into it, I just fell more in love with it. As I really, really started understanding what was going on, you know, kind of behind the scenes. I guess I you could say I saw how the sausage was made, and I wasn't yeah. <laughs> turned off by it. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, man. So. Um, and what was really nice about that curriculum and that program is, since it was a conservatory you were required to take lessons and you had to do juries, they called them. So it wasn't like a cop-out. Like my, my goal was to be a player and I wanted to learn how to play better and I wanted to learn about, you know, more music theory stuff and all, all of that. So it was kind of, looking back on it, it was how it was supposed to happen and it was what was meant to be because I was able to practice all the time in the conservatory and then also learn a lot about recording and I'm that, sure that kind of led me to my next steps, really. But it also gave me uh, a place to kind of develop from a, okay, I'm just kind of a high school brat who's kind of full of himself because I was always decent at guitar. You know what I mean? And then you kind of get in a place where it's like it humbles you. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, it really does because there's like so many good musicians. And then you realize it's, you know. It's not about me. It's about what can we create together and what can we enjoy together as as a group. So I was part of a really, really influential part of my life was a men's music fraternity wow, okay. called FIMU Alpha. So that was a really, really, really awesome thing that I was able to do because on top of my regular performances, we did these things called music owls. So it really got me out of my comfort zone as far as... What is that? What's a music owl? So basically, they're themed concerts, and they're put on by the fraternity. Oh, I gotcha. So okay. we did a Halloween music owl. 
We oh, did that's pretty cool. a, a Valentine's musicale. We did an American musicale, and they all had a theme. So one year for Halloween, I did a I did a loop pedal cover of Thriller, and I mixed it with Ghostbusters. Oh, cool! Solid. So, and that was back then. I was I did. I didn't think of myself as a singer as much, so I was more like the guitar guy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, because yeah, right. yeah. everybody that was there singing was just like a singer. You know what I mean? And right. I was just like, hey, I can play guitar really well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you a question about that. When you're coming in out of high school, you're a freshman, let's say, and you know you come in maybe with a little bravado. You know, maybe I would have too. You know what I'm saying? After playing in high school and and being in bands or whatever. But when you get there and you're humbled, as you mentioned, does it suddenly become a little bit overwhelming? Like, gosh, I got so much to learn. Especially when you get in the room with someone like my guitar teacher, Rick Whitehead. Okay. Yeah. He is just an animal, a monster. It's just, it's daunting when you hear someone on that caliber play and you're like in the same room as them and you're just like, Mike, what? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so then you're like, well, I really got a woodshed and I really got to get in the practice room. And there's that, there's that really positive push being in that environment. Yeah. Cause you got, I guess you kind of get yourself feeling like I can get to that point if I put the work in. Yeah. That's what you're thinking. I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I know it's pretty obvious, but musicians in general just spend a ridiculous amount of time practicing. Did you did you find that hard to shift from the high school mentality? At least when I was in high school, I never freaking practiced. Um, but was that hard to get into that mentality of just sitting in a room by yourself and just working stuff out? Or is that where you found joy there in is your a, studies? There is a lot of uh, serenity to it. Because how they have the practice room set up, you go in there and then it's like sound sealed. So you have a piano in front of you and you, you can go in there and you can really like focus on the task at hand. And there's ups and downs with it. I mean, some days you're just like, this is so boring. I want to go to a party and have a beer. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, so I'm going to rewind a little bit further. Let's go back in your high school days. Or when, when was it, Rich, that you sort of figured out that you wanted to start like you know learning an instrument how did that work out for you so i was very blessed because i had two awesome parents and they encouraged me whatever i wanted to do they'd take me and they they let me do it so that's how i got involved in boy scouting that's how i got into swim lessons when i was really young and all that kind of stuff and i made an off i guess i made a comment or maybe they asked me and i had said i wanted to play saxophone Cool. And that was a thing that happened in fourth grade. You go the summer before or the summer after fourth grade and you learn and you start learning an instrument. And then in fifth grade, I think you can join band or maybe it's fifth or sixth. I can't remember. Sure. But uh, for whatever reason, it was the alto saxophone. And through middle school and high school, I played sax. And I've, I haven't really touched sax in a while, but I've been playing it recently and actually getting my saxophone set up. So I'm going to start playing it a little oh, bit cool. more. Yeah. So... And then one thing led to another. Um, I ended up starting to play bass. I just got interested. My dad was a, a guitarist and a singer, so he was playing music. He'd taken a long break. Uh, it was kind of interesting. He'd taken a long break from playing and singing, and my mom didn't even know that he could do it. Oh, wow. And then one huh. year for his birthday, he asked for a guitar. And she's like, oh, you can well, play? What are you talking yeah, about? Like, <laughs> we've been married for... 13 years and right. I didn't know you could play and then next thing you know he's playing all the time and singing 
So your sax that you were playing when you were in high school, did you prefer the concert setting? Did you like the marching part of it? What did what what was the, the best part of that? I like jazz band. You did like jazz, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah. So I was always uh, very intrigued by jazz. So and Me I joined, too. I joined jazz band in like sixth or seventh grade, whenever you could first join. Cause, sure. And that was extracurricular. That was like you had to go before school and you really right. had to want want to be in jazz band. Right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking about that earlier. Um, just your interest in jazz and then your guitarist. Um, I'm a campfire guitarist at very most, uh, especially compared to you. You know, you got your main main major chords, main minor chords, and you move on for me. Um, jazz is not like that in the slightest. You have <laughs> hundreds and thousands. Is it safe to say there are unlimited amount of chords that you could play on the guitar, or is there a set number? There is a set number. There is a ve- there is a set number. So, uh, not to dive too deep, but um, the the thing that gets really tricky with jazz is the upper chord extensions, right? Okay. So, what does that mean? Basically, when you ha- so in your classical music, you're going to have a root third and a fifth, right? Yep. When you start playing jazz, you're going to add in your major seven, your minor seven, your nine, your 11, and your 13. Yep. So that's where people get really confused and kind of that sound. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so I, I guess you, in theory, there's only so many strings and you only have so many fingers. Right. Yeah. And a lot of chords end up being the same. Just in a different inversion. Gotcha. If that makes sense. So the inversion is based on where the bass note is of the chord. And I guess the more that you study that, the more you realize it. And it's more of an epiphany to you after a right. while. It, and, and, it, and what's trippy is you can actually imply chords and you can only play two notes, right? Right. And that's where like the really hip guys go. It's like, I'm just going to play these notes and I know it's going to be this chord and I let the bass player handle that. That's still not right. fully in my wheelhouse yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm that's still in a different that's yeah. in a different dimension of music. Than, <laughs> I mean, it's phenomenal to listen to. Uh, and the thing is, when you're listening to it, you don't realize what it was until it was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that's, that. That's the beauty of jazz. Yeah, so it is really. true. The guitar players are the most are the smartest people in the band, then, right? Yeah, uh, that's for <laughs> unless there's a, a a pianist. Well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Typically, they play guitar, too. Yeah. yeah. So, but you don't just play guitar. Um, I've watched some of your covers on YouTube. Um, what, how did you get into all the different instruments? What instruments do you play? Um, okay, so I started on sax. Yeah. Then I picked up bass, and from bass, it was a natural transition to guitar. Right. And that made sense. But somewhere in there, I decided I wanted to play drum set. Nice. So my parents bought me a drum set. So I've had a drum set since I was in like sixth grade. I'm a hack. That's probably my worst instrument, just because I know how good you can be at drum set. I've seen drummers. I've played with drummers. Sure. I just, I mostly do that for joy. So, but like, if you see my covers, I play a lot of percussion Right. With it instead of a full drum kit. You know, maybe I'll branch out into doing drum kit. I've had that idea before. But You had your little bell suitcase. Yeah. I with, like that with thing. The, uh, with the covers, it's more kind of a folky vibe. So drum kit doesn't necessarily work for the ones sure. I've done so far. But I even saw a banjo. Did I see a mandolin too? Yeah, banjo. So okay. anything that's stringed, you can kind of fake your way if you play guitar. Except So the mandolin and is tuned very differently. Right. So that that's kind of... Uh, a, it takes me a while to work up mandolin parts, and I wouldn't be able to go and like play a bluegrass gig on mandolin. Right, you right, know what I mean. Right, it's more of like a 
I see myself as a producer. So I write the parts and I can perform them because I have prowess on stringed instruments. So I know like, okay, if I play it, you know, 15 times, it'll be in my hands. And like, if I was to try to play that again today, I probably wouldn't be able to remember it for a little bit just because I'm not, I don't consider myself a mandolin player. So we've talked about the playing aspect and I think we kind of skipped over the recording aspect a little bit. Let's talk about that before we get into exactly what happened after Shenandoah, which was pretty cool in itself. So the um, recording aspect, obviously there was an interest there, but you've got to, you got to have more than just an interest to, to graduate with a degree with that, right? Oh yeah. There's um, a lot of small things that you don't account for when you're doing it. A lot of long nights in the study room after you've already practiced, you know, a lot of tests and they would do this thing called, um, like practicums or efficiencies. So you have to go in and not only do you have to know the material to write it on a piece of paper for a test, you have to be able to, um, go in and basically the instructor would say, okay, you've got a client in front of you and the session is five minutes behind and so basically he's already pre-programmed all the gear, right? And something's messed up. So you have to be able to go on the fly and fix that. Right. Yeah. So it's just very, very it's cool. It's challenging. Yeah. It's a very actually, cool degree. I actually think, I want to say Golder was doing that the night we went down there to meet him. Yeah. He had he somebody te- doing that exact thing. Yeah. And yeah. He, he was doing that exact thing. And looking back on it, that was one of the most helpful things because I actually went and did some assistant engineering when I was in where, where I moved to. Nice. So... Um, so at, at, when you're at school and you're doing this, uh, were you at the new Bryant theater mm-hmm. location they're at now? Okay. Like, cause yeah. it used to be on the hill by the Goodson years right, ago, right, but right. you may not remember that. So you, but how long had that been there? It was really new when you got there. Probably right? a year or two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and the practice area is called Rubish. That's where we all Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. It's Armstrong Bryant yeah. Theater's on the front. And right. Rubish is on okay. the back. Okay, I didn't think what it was called. And yeah. then that's where they have all the practice rooms, two floors. Wow. Yeah. And seeing, I mean, even now, when we were over the other day, there's nothing like that around this area. So you were learning on the best. Oh, yeah. You know, I guess, you know, from the best, most likely. But golly, Ned, it, did it make your head spin at first? I mean, I, I just think it would me. I was so scared I wasn't going to get in right? because okay. I was a sax player and I ended up taking a few lessons from a guy as like prep for, okay. for college. And he was actually already going there and he come over and <laughs> this is so funny. So you have to um, record a tape. So okay. I had this old tape recorder and there was this song that I learned how to play and I recorded it on the tape and then I went in and I like played along with the tape for the audition and, and it's like who uses cassette tapes anymore? <laughs> that makes me feel old. Like That's funny. am I dated? <laughs> yeah. That is funny. But and, and I, I, I I'm a layman. I I don't understand, you know, much about it. But let me ask you this, as you went along, what did you find the more difficult part of the engineering of working in a you know in that environment was it was it miking instruments was it was it figuring you know what I mean you understand what I'm trying to get at yeah as far as like what's the hardest thing I had to do for you out like out of words, all of the the things that I was required to do yeah yeah it was probably learning jazz okay yeah okay so actually I would say something. I okay. would say 
learning jazz and learning like really hard tunes how to play is way harder. It just depends, I guess, on your talent level too. But it, that was way harder for me than sitting down and reading a book and being right. like, okay, this is what an XLR cable is. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to take us away from the recording. I'm not. But on that note, I wanted to ask you earlier, as you're going through school, of course, you're doing the music house with your, with your um, fraternity. But did you along the way? Did you get in with a group of guys and maybe go play on the weekends, like at Brewbakers and things? Did you have? I actually did. did. That's yeah. that's funny that you mentioned that. We had a cover band. We were called Three Thirteen B. Okay. Okay. For the, that was actually the a- exit for Shenandoah. Yeah, that's exactly. yeah. Three Thirteen B. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we played yeah. the top floor of Union Jacks. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was Chase and Axe or whatever, they used to do shows up there. And what style of music was it? It was. Eclectic covers. I remember doing like Weezer and you know um, this love. Yeah, uh, Maroon Five. Maroon yeah. Five. Yeah, okay. Maroon Five. And uh, it was funny because that was like a twenty-one plus bar, but I was like nineteen at the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I felt like one of the cool kids. That's cool. Yeah. That's a tight yeah. little room up there too. If y'all yeah. ever been up there, it's not very big. After you get a bar in there and a band, I know they used a to have stage, a stage. Yeah, it's, it's still there. Well. I think I haven't been yeah, up there in a while. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I don't want to miss this because I know there's a lot to your story. Um, but what happened? Tell us what happened after you graduated Shenandoah. Did you immediately get out of town? Did you hang around? Um, and So uh, the summer I graduated, I had a really awesome opportunity to go live in Richmond because I, I was also playing in the pit orchestras in, okay. at uh, SSMT, Shenandoah Summer Music Theater. So I'd done yeah. that every summer, and it was a great experience. I watched you perform several times. (laughs) I was always trying to learn different styles. And doing musicals, you just get every style imaginable. And so uh, that summer, I went and did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels in Richmond with this theater company. can't even remember the name. But it was a really awesome time because I was with a couple of my fraternity brothers, some of my best friends. So... We're hanging out all the time. We're going to the James River, going out to Belle Isle and enjoying our summer. And then we go and play our our shows. And then it was September. I moved to Nashville. And so I had to go somewhere to fulfill my degree. Because in order to finish your degree, you have to have an internship. So so for me, there was a... There was a moment where I wasn't sure where I wanted to go because, like, the three big studio towns, L.A., New York, Nashville. And I don't know. One thing led to another. I went down. uh, Nashville was accessible. It was a 10-hour drive. Sure. So I went with my mom, and we toured some studios, and I did some interviews, and I just fell in love with it. It was, like, just like around here. Yeah. Really, really small town, really, really cool vibes. Wow. And Music Row. Yeah. Wow. And Music Row. And yes. Music Row. Uh, yeah, I just want to make that clear. And Music Row. <laughs> so what did you what did you get into down there? So I got my internship. And so that trip was like, I still remember it. It was like so scary. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm stepping out into the world. And I'm going to do my thing. And I, I basically had looked online everywhere and seen all these big studios. And I went... And you can get an internship anywhere. Like, they just want people. 
And back then they didn't pay the interns. That became a whole thing, and now they have to pay minimum wage. So sure, the yeah. internships look really different than when I did it, which also makes me feel old. <laughs> but um, the last day I was there, Golder had actually reached out to this guy, Scott, who graduated years and years before. Now, Scott had done some really big records. He'd done one of Taylor Swift's first albums as an assistant engineer. And so he's really connected in the scene. And he was like, you should go here. And he said, Sony. And I'm like, I didn't see their website. He's like, they don't have a website. So attached to the publishing company is this little studio. And it's got the most phenomenal gear you could imagine because it's attached to Sony. Right. They're called Sony ATV or Sony tree. And I reached out to the studio manager there, Adam Englehart. And uh, he said, okay, come on by for an interview. And he basically said, just ask me a few questions. He's like, when can you start? And I was just like, what? And uh, what was so different about Sony is that at Sony, as the intern, you actually got to be in the room while the session was happening. That's Everywhere cool. else is like... They make you get out? They make Yeah, they make you leave. You get to oh, set up shitty. and you learn from the assistant the assistants and then basically you ha- there's like a lot like a proving process like you have to prove right. yourself right because yeah. they don't want kids around these big artists uh, so I, I got you the very first session i did they did make me sit in the hall because it was one of their bigger artists it was uh kicks brooks okay but i did get to meet him but after that i was in the room every session and learning like hands-on and it's just insane how much you actually learn when you're there in the environment doing it and wow, it's almost like my education started when I moved to Nashville. Sure, yeah. In a lot of ways. What oh. are, what other kind of artists did you run into? Um, so there's a lot of people. So Nashville's run by the songwriters. Sure. Right. So yep. the majority of the studio work isn't gonna be your. So there's different Big levels guy. of sessions. Yeah. Right. So they have. Demo, limited release, and master. You're not getting master sessions often. Right. That's just those big label releases. You're going to be doing demos sure. day in, day out. That's your bread and butter in Nashville. Gotcha. From a musician standpoint, from an engineering standpoint, from a singer-songwriter, that, like that's, that's just what drives the market there. Right, right. Rich, you and I just met tonight. So you don't know me at all. But I know we've talked about it on the show. I, I've been to Nashville recently. I geek out like if I freak out just from the the history of where you're at, the people that have been there, the Grand Ole Opry sitting around the corner, whatever it may be. Did did you ever get caught up in that, or did you kind of were you able to stay focused on what you were there for? I had a little bit of that when I first moved there, but then you kind of have to take it all in stride, and you just kind of have to say like I'm here to do a job, and right. So I don't necessarily get starstruck okay. anymore. I had a few moments of that, like, holy crap. But if it's somebody like Dolly Parton, I'd be like, oh, my God, yeah, it's yeah, Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That would be like me, the, right? su- the super duper superstars. Yeah. But um, I'd say the biggest artist that I work with the most was Big and Rich. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually got... So after my internship, I was fortunate enough that they had some work for me as an assistant engineer. So... I then continued to work at Sony um, for the majority of my time. And um, yeah, well, and I was going to ask you when you were doing your internship. And this is a little bit like maybe I'm stepping over the line. If you don't want to share it all, it's okay. But how do you supplement yourself then? How, so how, how does that work? Basically, 
I was lucky enough that I didn't have to work during my internship because my parents footed okay, the bill. Okay, good. There you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, you know, they everything comes a time sure, and they say, yeah. okay, you're going to have to do the thing. So I actually got this really crappy job being a host at Joe's Crab Shack in downtown Nashville. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. So I'm just there. Yes. <laughs> got my little tie-dye shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> Smell yeah, like man. seafood every day. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> then from there, I ended up moving up to server and i've been a in the the food industry the whole time right. just to supplement because it's it's yeah you just have to have something else and everybody has to eat so it's yeah. a good, good part to be in there too you got it's, bills it's funny you should say that too because when we went to nashville out by the new when i say the new grand Ole, the grand Ole opry where it is now um one of the places that we ate at our waiter waited on us and then got on stage and played you know, so there's a lot cool. of that going on. Yeah. Like you said, you know, you supplement about being a host and then go to work on Music Row. Kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. So uh, you brought it up there a couple minutes ago. And and I know it's... Um, well, let me back up just a little bit. That's not all you did in Nashville. So... Or is it? Is that where... Did you stop at the assistant uh, producer? Did you go farther? Did you do more music? What direction did you go? So... At some point, I decided I wanted to be a producer. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, an actual music producer. I went. I went. That's what I went to school for, and I didn't know what that looked like at first. But for me, I was good at a bunch of different instruments. So essentially, it turned into probably about twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. I moved into a house. So when I first go to Nashville, I don't know anybody. Sure. There's not there. I don't have a network there, and I was really lucky because some people decided, "Hey, this looks really cool. We want to move out there." And it was people I went to college with, so we actually all got a house, and they're actually still living in that house. Oh wow, my roommates. cool. Yeah. So we we built out a home studio. Cool. So I did a lot of work in that, and I actually worked with some artists and did some real records in there that are on Spotify now. Very so cool. that's sweet. Yeah. You'll have to show me those after the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got into the recording and, and you stuck with that. That that seems to be your, your main driver. But I feel like in the background, just reading through your bios and, of course, um, you know, just talking with you, you're really big and your heart really lies in, into singing songwriting. Uh, it always has, but I never realized it. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Because I've always been like, well, I got to do this to make money or I got to do this to, you know. Right. So it's like there's only so many hours in the day. And uh, fortunately for me, my time in Nashville was blessed by... Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. A really, really nice group of people that came into my life. And we had the home studio, and then we actually made a writing team. It was me and my best friend, Matt Breeden, and Angela Gonzalez. Okay. So we had this writing team, and that was some of the best times I've had. It's just, you know, really, really late nights and just sitting up and making demos and writing songs. And we have a huge catalog together. And yeah. You know, there's just a lot of stuff there that, that I have to, to draw from and work with now. And a lot of stuff that I learned, because they're both songwriters in their own right. Right. So my thing was I was always good with chords and melodies because I'm the musician. And I didn't always have the right words to say or, you know, sometimes write cheesy stuff. But when you work with lyricists, then, you right. know, they kind of... I can still hear comments they would make, like writing songs with them, as it's like an extra filter. Right? Sure, yeah. So yeah. I still like have conversations with them in my head when I'm writing new songs because I had to write. That's really cool. It's crazy, like oh, but this person would say that. So yeah, no, but okay. It's like you're having this internal conversation with yourself because any any good song is gonna have to have some junk filtered out of it. That's just part of the sure. process. Yeah. When you guys were doing the writing team. Were you shopping your songs out to artists? That well? was going to be the the way to do it. Right. But we were more in line for uh, placements for film and TV. Okay. That's kind of what we were chasing. Okay. So. Okay. Wow. Brainstorming late at night, right? Just going at it yeah. until you hammered out something. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. And it, you had some luck, I guess? Um. Well, I have a very large catalog, right? But in typical Nashville style, so the girl on the writing team was also my girlfriend. Oh, nice. Okay. And <laughs> nice then. Then okay. Right? Sorry. All right. It's so changed. in typical right. Nashville style, um, so we decided to make a duo, and we were gonna because when you're doing the placement thing, it's really nice to have like an artist to put the music out so that it exists somewhere instead of just us being like this production team. Like there's, there's a lot of people out there that just do that and they get their stuff placed. But we were like, okay, well we have a lot of songs that are in this style. It was uh, Southern Gothic, dark folk. And we ended up making a duo and we basically had recorded a whole album and then we had a huge falling out oh, <laughs> and no. didn't talk for years. Yikes. Oh, so, no. yeah. It does sound like, it does sound it was, very Nashville. Like it was a very Nashville yeah, thing. Yeah. And the music's awesome and it's got a lot of different instruments on there. And we produced the record together and, you know. So it's just sitting there? It's on a hard drive at my house. Yikes. Wow. So now I get the joy of being like, where does this live? Yeah, and right. How do I release it? Dang. So did the falling out prompt you to come back this way? That didn't. It didn't? Okay. That didn't. Gotcha. I stayed in Nashville uh, for a few years after Oh, gotcha. That. Okay, and then you moved back up here. Mm-hmm. And that's when, is that when you're, well, no, I guess it wouldn't have been, because it would have been Nashville, but you've already taken your singer-songwriting very serious at this point, right? You've realized you fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. But from the the guy in the room being the producer standpoint, I still didn't think of myself as an artist okay. because I was so unsure in my singing. Okay. Okay. So. What made you gain confidence in that? Five years of vocal lessons. Yikes. Wow. Or six now, maybe. That's dedication, man. Wow. Dang, so I found, I found this killer vocal, vocal teacher. Her name's Liz. And 
I've been taking lessons once a month with her since like 2018. Wow. And she's transformed me. It's awesome. Did you know about the benefits of working with a vocal coach just from your prior experience? I've been through so much bull crap with my own ego and thinking about how much I could do myself that I didn't really think about it before. I didn't know that's what I needed until when it's like you, you give yourself a little bit of edgeway and then you get in the room and you're like, this is great. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I actually, to that end, I actually like, I'm really good at guitar, but I want to start taking guitar lessons again because I can never stop learning. Gotcha. So um, we talked earlier, you don't just do um, originals. Of course, how many, when you play a show, we always ask people this, what's your ratio, originals to covers? Mostly covers, doesn't matter where you're at. Right now I'm doing mostly covers, um, but that's just because I'm not sure what I want to release out of my originals. Gotcha. So I'm not sure. I'll do like one or two originals and just see kind of how people take the songs just to judge the song, but I'm just still kind of deciding where I'm going to land genre wise. Gotcha. You know, artistry wise. Like, okay, well, what's my, what's my end goal? Right. And, and I'm leaning more towards like that Americana festival kind of thing. Gotcha. I'm seeing my music kind of sit there, but so my biggest influence, that's what I was going to ask you. Yep. As an artist. And this is why I'm so torn is Led Zeppelin. Okay. I found Led Zeppelin in a very early age and they were just super influential in me. And that's when I picked up electric guitar and started learning Jimmy Page solos and everything. And we would, my uh, high school band was actually called Black Dog. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah. So, but Led Zeppelin did the thing that uh, Jimmy Page called it light and shade. So they had all that acoustic stuff in there and they had the big heavy rock hits. And at first, when I was playing, I was doing the rock stuff. And then as I get to Nashville and I'm doing seeing all these singer songwriter stuff, then the acoustic folky stuff starts making more sense to me. Right. Right. So, and maybe I'll. D- land somewhere where I'm putting it all out on the same record. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. What an amazing influence Led Zeppelin is and, and was at the time. I mean, yeah, I can see that because they're so multifaceted. They, they experienced and, and demonstrated in their music so many different styles, everything from reggae to, you know, as you, you know, um, you know, heavy rock, as you'd mentioned, but also blues and slide guitar and you name it, they did it all uh, with, really amazing musicianship and mm-hmm. I, I you know folks that are listening to the show most everybody's heard led zeppelin but or you listen to a, a song like going to california see yes that's yeah. what i was gonna say don't listen to the same hits they play on the radio all the time dig into led zeppelin a little bit and if do you actually a listen to ramble on oh my it's amazing gosh, it's, it's a killer yeah, the the baseline in that is it's, phenomenal. And Love they do that song. the uh, they do the acoustic thing, and then the electric guitar yes. has its own part, and it's just it, it floors me to this day. Yes, and then you know, the the unmistakable driving beat of, of John uh, Bonham. Of John Bonham. Yeah. I mean, you, it, there's the, you know Mount Rushmore drummers as far as rock drummers are concerned. Um, that band is incredible, and I'm really glad you said that they were a huge influence because we don't talk about them enough on the show. I don't think. So that's really cool. Other influences you have besides them? Newer ones? Anybody newer that's kind of doing it for you? Um, I had a really, really big kick on Soundgarden. Cool, yeah. And that was recent. And that has been my probably biggest influence as of late. 
Soundgarden and Chris Stapleton. Yeah, there you go. But I was always a huge Audio Slave fan. Yeah. And, and so Chris, Chris Cornell, Cornell is yeah. just, just in my head. And yeah. I'm just always trying to learn his songs and just be like, how can I be one eighth as good as you? You're a Marcus, you're a Marcus King fan? Uh, you know who I'm talking about? No. I'll introduce you to somebody that you're going to fit right in with. You, you kind of remind me of him. Oh. Dude, sick guitar player. Awesome. Blues, country, kind of that feel. Very wild. cool. Very but cool. I mean, you know, we're talking about all these mixes of different music. Um, of course, everything from jazz um, to lead to even country. Um, and then Appalachia, if you're going to start bringing in Americana. So it's a really cool blend. Um, and uh, what's awesome is in the couple videos that are on your, your YouTube, you can tell that you kind of grab a lot from a lot. Oh, my other favorite band is Punch Brothers and okay. Chris Steely. Yeah. yeah. So they that's where I wanted to start playing those other instruments and, and gotcha. but but do something different that bluegrass is, isn't doing. Do those kind of weird things and do those cool rhythmic patterns yeah. right. with the like that's what floors me about that band is just the banjo and the and the mandolin and and the the stuff they do like with with the groove. Right. Right. What, one of the reasons, and we, you've listened to the show, I'm sure you've heard us talk about this, but one of the reasons Chris and I started doing this show was sort of the really amazing growth of musicians and bands and things that are going on in the area as well as venues. You're seeing the same thing, I'm sure. Are you not? I mean, you know, bands like Low Water Bridge and, and bands locally that are really taking off and doing well. You're part of that. I mean, have, what are your emotions about that? What are your thoughts about all that that's going on? I'm really happy to see it happening. Because there's just been so much talent, and now it's getting channeled somewhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Any locals that you really you enjoy watching or hearing? Um. You know, I I need to get more plugged into the scene. Well, you're playing all the time too, probably. Uh, I've been playing a little bit. I've I've been having some stuff go on that's kind of kept me okay. All, okay off the grid, and now some things are resolved, so I'm able to get back out. Good. Get back out there. Yeah. Well, Rich, you were nice enough to bring your guitar, and I appreciate it, because sometimes I ask people, and they're like, uh-uh, but uh, you brought a beautiful Martin with you. Um, we asked you to get a couple together. Um, you got a cover for us? Yeah. That you sure, might be able to sure, play sure, for sure. us? Oh, man, I'm excited about this, Chris. I love live music on the channel, do you? Yeah, I do, too. Oh, and, and I'm looking forward to the cover, um, because like we were talking earlier, it's um, it's one of those things where it's, it's just a, a mashup of so many different music types. Uh, that Rich has going on, and uh, you see him coming through. Uh, we saw you uh, over Apple Blossom, but Willie Sutton's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been playing there a good and, bit. And you see that come through your your covers, and it's awesome. It's different. That's what I love about it. Yeah, well, there's some covers that I just play because you can't really change the song, and then there's some that I'm like, you know, I want to say this my way. Yeah. So. And that's interesting when people do that. I like that. Well, folks, give it up, man. It's Rich Rigel. Woo! What you got for us? This is a Billie Eilish song. Wow. Nice. Nice. All right. But it's a, a little different. I've been watching for some time. Can't stop staring at those ocean lights Burning cities, napalm skies Fifteen flares inside those ocean lights 
ocean eyes are no fear. Really, no animal made me cry. Give me those ocean eyes. I'm scared. Never falling from quite this high. Falling into your ocean eyes, those ocean eyes. I've been walking through world gone blind. Can't stop thinking of your diamond mind. Careful creature, be friends with time. Left alone. Diamond mind and those ocean eyes, no fear. Hey, really, no one made me cry. Give me those ocean eyes, I'm scared. Hey, never falling from quite this high. Falling into your ocean eyes Those ocean eyes Really, no one made me cry. You give me those ocean eyes. I'm scared. Never thought I'm quite this high. Falling into your ocean eyes. Those ocean Yeah. All right. Yeah, man. Heck yeah. Love that. So <laughs> thank you. She, yeah. Billie Eilish is 21 years old. I just had to look that up. Holy cow. Um, but she released that song in 2016. So I know she was like a teenager. Goodness gracious. Yeah. It's, I can't even do the math. Right. So the, the story behind the song is kind of interesting because it was a song that her brother Phineas wrote and, for his band. And then she was, I guess she was like, begging him can i can i make a version of this so they ended up making a version of it and that's what blew her up wow dang yeah. that's so, that song did yeah that's this was her big big come out song gotcha wow. dang. very cool great job man. Yeah, i love that thank you for that um yeah of course you know we talked about uh, your songwriting and you're gracious enough to say that you'd love to play one of your originals um and of course we'd love to hear the story that goes along with it uh whatever you got yeah um, what do you so, think uh Oh, man. <laughs> this is a song I've been writing for a really long time. Yeah. Good. Cool. So, and there's a lot to it. Okay, the guitar's ready to go. So I'll tell the story, and then I'll just kind of go right into the song. And feel free to, to, if you have a question or anything, to to go ahead. Probably not. So, you got it. Yeah, we're going to let you on right. the stage. So this song is really, really special to me. 
and it's probably the most vulnerable thing that I've ever written. And it's super like close to home and my heart. So in 2015, my dad passed away from uh, non-small cell lung cancer. And it was super traumatic. It was super hard. And it was kind of unexpected because he wasn't a smoker. It was a non-smoker's lung cancer. And my mom was able to be his caregiver. And he made me make a promise that I was, when he was gone, I was going to take care of her. And I, I was fortunate enough to go, I was t- able to take some time off in Nashville. And I went home from Thanksgiving all the way to New Year's, uh, the winter before he passed away. He passed away in April. So I was able to spend the holidays with him and I got a, a lot of really good quality time. So during that time is when he made me make my promise, you know, you, you got to make sure your mom's taken care of after I leave. Cause it was obvious it was going to happen just a matter of time. So I go back to Nashville and start doing my thing again. And, you know, I, I went through a really, really dark period and I closed myself off from the world cause I didn't know how to move forward. It was a very, very traumatic experience for me. Mm-hmm. And so the very first song I learned to sing and play, this is very interesting. The very first song I learned to sing and play was called Simple Man. It's a Leonard Skinner song. Sure, yeah. So, um, and he actually taught it to me. So when I started writing, my song is called Be a Man. So when I started writing that, I actually based it around the chords of Simple Man. And um, my song's almost an answer to Simple Man. So Simple Man is the mother singing or talking to the son. Mm-hmm. My song's the son talking to the parents, right? And to the point where some of the lyrics are even very similar, but it's an answer to the question. Okay. So I'm doing my, I start coming out of my shell in Nashville. You know, and I went through this really dark period. And then, you know, during that time is actually when we started the writing team. And that's really what helped me kind of come back out of, I'll, I'll call it like the abyss. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're doing the, the songwriting thing all the time and I'm getting better with vocal lessons. And then, um, then I'm kind of coming into my own and COVID happens. And so I decided that that's when I did those covers. Gotcha. Okay. I was like, well, you know, now's as good time as any. And, um, about six months goes by and I'm starting to really get my groove with the artist thing. And then my mom had a surgery and I was supposed to go and help her recover and then come back to Nashville well, my mom had been diagnosed with dementia in 2018. So I go to help her with her surgery, and it's very apparent that she shouldn't be living by herself anymore. Understood. Yep. So that left me with a really hard choice, and that was right in the middle of the pandemic. And I was asking her questions like, did you wear your mask at the grocery store kind of thing, just trying to see where she was at. And she was, didn't really understand the pandemic. So it was very clear that she needed 
some help. And whether that was going to be putting in her assisted living and me going back to Nashville or ultimately I decided I need to be with her. I need to be the one to do it. Mm -hmm. So I basically just moved back just like that. And I've been in Virginia since then. Gotcha. So I uh, had three really awesome years with her. She actually just passed away on July 29th. Oh my gosh. So it's still really fresh. Yes. It's still really fresh. And I don't know if, I know she's super proud of me. Sure. I don't know how many people have experience with dementia, but it's, and this is crazy to say, but my experience with that has taught me more about music than any lesson or any, it just, the music, it just makes so much more sense to me now. Right. Because I know what really, really matters. It's it's it was so weird. Some days I just start singing and I'm like, I sound like that. This is coming out of me, and it's like from this real authentic place that I didn't know existed. Gotcha. So, yeah, she she was suffering, yeah. and there's a real peace now. And I'm kind of left wondering, okay, what what's the next step? Right. So it's going to show itself to you. Yeah. It definitely will. I'm kind of in this transition. Yeah. And I've been very blessed through all of this. And I've been able to... She went into nursing care in March, and I've been able to get out and actually start playing some gigs. I've played at Willie Sutton's a couple times. I've done some private parties for cover gigs and stuff, and I've gotten really, really excellent feedback. Good. And I'm just really excited to to actually call myself a singer and put myself out there as a performer. Cause I was always so like terrified to do that before I was always so invested in like just worried about not being good enough. Right. I mean, that's the constant struggle of being an artist or just being a human. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just something that everybody has to figure out. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, she passed away and we had this really beautiful service and back to my song i realized i was writing this song for my dad but it's actually for both of them okay and i was able to actually pretty much finish the song it was kind of up in the air for a long time a lot of years where i didn't know how to finish it or what to say and then so i was able to finish the song and i actually performed it at her funeral oh awesome okay and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it through it, but when it was all done, it happened and it was a really awesome service. And I was really glad to pay my tribute. And it wasn't about me. It was, it was about my tribute to both of my parents right. at her funeral. Right. And it was a really awesome moment. Well, that's awesome. It's such a great story. All so, right. So glad. So this is that song that I played at her funeral. It's called be a man. Okay. And, uh, I'll probably do a recording and release this one at some point. That's definitely on my radar.
picking up the pieces of the life I used to know. You said, hold up your head, boy. Your mama needs you when I'm gone. You said, hold up your head, boy. But I'm shattered to the bone. And I'm broken. Still holding on to every word you said, every word you said. You showed me how, and told me how to be a man, be a man. But I don't understand. I'll do this for you now if I can.
Rich Ridgel, everybody. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. It's absolutely my pleasure. That my was goodness. great. That dude. was really great. Really. Thank you. Yeah. I can see the emotion in that song for you. It's it's so real. <laughs> it's my life yeah. in a song. Yes. How, exactly. how many years did you say that was? Since 15, uh, 16? Since fifth, uh, I probably started writing the song probably around 16. But I had the riff forever, and I didn't yeah. know what I was going to do with it. I'm like, this is really special, that little intro. Yeah. I ended right. up writing the melody around that for the verse, and it's just, it just, yeah. And that was a song I actually co-wrote with uh, Angela. And yeah. she, she pulled that out of me, basically. It was one of those late nights. And yep. then uh, that's when I had the idea that like, well, you know, my dad, Rick, taught me Simple Man. So what if I, so the chords to Simple Man are, but it, it does it in a different order. So it was, right. uh, I'll play just a snippet of that, but it's not capo. So the key's uh, down a whole step. So the simple man starts on the on the one chord. I'll just use the the Roman numeral. So this is a C chord, and it goes to the five, and then to the six. Well, my song starts on the six, goes to the one, and then goes down to the five. So yeah, I gotcha. had flipped it. Gotcha. So that's that was, awesome. That dude. was my tribute. What an idea for a song. Yeah, and, and the words were very pointed too. I mean, there's lots of us, Rich, and you and I'll talk after the show that have lost parents to dementia, and it's a very unfriendly disease, and it's mean and angry, and it doesn't share at all and it, it's it, there's lots of bad stuff to say about it but your parents blessed you and you can tell and they gave you the tools to move ahead and you will and, and, I, and I feel you're already really you're already I, yes i feel yeah. i feel like you know i'm only 34 and i the whole world's at my feet yeah at this point yeah yeah and but, i feel honored and blessed that i got the opportunity to, to spend three years with my mother during during all of it yeah I yeah. don't regret a minute of it. It it honestly was like the most life changing thing I've ever sure. done by sure. far, sure. and probably will always be. I don't know what could I'll do that. Maybe having kids. When you begin to provide care for your parents, it's it does change your life. And and I was myself and my family went through that. So I can understand exactly what you're talking about. And I was very blessed because I didn't have a wife and kids yet that yeah, were depending on me. Yeah. So I was able to say, you know what? This is this is what my dad asked me to do. This is what I'm gonna right, do. Right. It's right. good. So tell us what you got coming up. I mean, you've got uh, you got some dates and things that you're gonna be playing nearby. People can come out and check you out. So uh I'm definitely gonna be playing Willie Sutton's again. Uh it's not hammered down when the actual date is. Okay. But um I definitely uh I'm really good friends with the the owner, uh, Mike Battles, and uh, I was actually working at the American Bar. Okay. So, and uh, I've been jamming with Eugene. So, definitely the next time, if you want to check me out, uh, more for the jazz stuff and the the instrumental stuff, um, would be the first Friday in the Old Town Mall at Eugene's Gallery, the Eugene B. Smith Gallery. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah. jam. I've I played the last two. Uh, 
sets with them. It's me, Eugene, and Eduardo, a nice little uh, conga player. There you go. Yeah. Eugene's a killer guitarist. Yeah. Have, by you, the way. have you been up to his studio? Yeah, upstairs? I go. I, we actually. Uh, it's awesome. So I got a job at the American Bar, which uh, uh, owned by the same people that own Willie Sutton's, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called the Winchester Restaurant Group. Willie Sutton's, Gringo Gordo, and Union Jacks now, right. and uh, Cosbo. So I got the job there, and then it turned out they're like, "Oh, you can play," and I'm like, "Sure, I'll play," and because I wanted to, you know, get some more experience and build my chops back up. And you know, one thing led to another. Then I start playing at Willie Sutton's, and then uh, Eugene came in one night for dinner, and he heard me playing, and he's like, "We need to jam." So I've actually been jamming once a week in his loft. That's wonderful. With cool. him, yeah. So that's, really that's cool. been a really great little friendship there, and and we do a lot of instrumental stuff, and it's a yeah. lot of fun. Very good. Awesome. So, so that, and then uh, got that Willie Sutton's thing, and I'm so circling back to the music fraternity thing. We did this thing called the Mills Music Mission, and so I've taken that on uh, to continue that. So I'm actually playing at nursing homes. That's amazing, and I love it. And I just had a set yesterday, so I'm playing once a month at Evergreen, and I'm actually gonna start hitting the pavement to try to get into some more nursing homes and and serving underserved communities because it needs to be done and especially from me knowing all that i know and the 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 beautiful gift of music and what that can do for people that amazing it's 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 insane like yesterday i went down in the dementia unit downstairs in evergreen and it it's just it's hard to describe it's it's transformational yes to see these people that have these huge ailments but then they can still sing a patsy klein song a johnny cash song an elvis song we did hound dog and they were all singing and i, I played country roads and they all sang along with country roads and it was just <laughs> that's it, a gift it was awesome yep. and i feel uh not to get biblical but there's a verse in the bible that says if you don't and, it, and they talk about talents and ta- back then, talents were money, but it was saying, like, basically, if you're given a gift and you're not using it, then you're going to be held accountable. So I feel like that's what, and no matter what happens with my music or what my life, I always want to be able to go and do that. Right. So that's been huge for me. It is a big deal in the nursing homes. It makes such a difference in the, in the residents there. I've heard caregivers tell us that music... They look forward to music days because it helps brighten the mood for the of, the of the people that live there. Yeah, and they're easier to deal with and they're happier, you know, just from the fact that you're sharing your time. What an amazing thing! Yeah, it is. and yeah. there was a bunch of songs that I learned because my mom really liked them, and it's like, well, I know them now. Yeah, yeah, there <laughs> you, you know. Go. There you go. <laughs> All right, Rich. We're just about out of time, buddy. But man, thank you so much for coming by. You're so welcome. Um, it's absolutely my pleasure. We'll, we'll have to get together sometime, play some music, and you get to figure out how terrible I am at guitar. <laughs> He's lying too. Um, He's pretty good. But yeah, you know, great to have you. And I, you know, whether you stick around the area or whether you go back to Nashville or do whatever you do, good luck. Uh, how can people get in touch with there you? There you go. Uh, the best way is probably going to be Rich Rigel Music. That's my Instagram, and I also have a website, richrigel.com. And there's a contact form on there. So I am actively pursuing bookings. So if you need, you know, a two, three hour set of just covers for your barbecue or, you know, whatever you might need, I, I can do that. If you mm-hmm. need instrumentals, I can show up with a real book and play jazz tunes too. 
like with awesome so Very cool your last name spelled r-i-d-g-e-l-l right yes there you go easy to find cool man well thanks again guys uh we're wrapping up episode 59 thanks for joining us on another episode of the musicians yeah Cafe. man it's always a good time here we had a great time tonight that's for sure before we run out there chris i still got uh i still got that question i don't know do you think anything more about it the no. question again was formed in 1974 this fan club holds the guinness book of world records for longing longest running fan club for any rock band name that band you got a guess no you don't no. and i know you had one earlier it's actually the band queen queen yeah mm. It's a little more simpler than And I get it. I mean, I I don't doubt that they've got a great fan club, but I was just surprised it wasn't a band that was before them. But that's pretty cool. You know, 1974, it's been a while. So awesome. Going on 50 years next year, I guess it would be. So long time. Anyway, there's your answer, pal. Brian, the trivia meister dick. Here, I finally got a... <laughs> not at all, after, not at all. After 59 episodes, I finally got a nickname in there. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. Anyway, folks, thanks again for joining us, man. We appreciate it, hanging out with us here in the Musicians Cafe. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, and we've got our schedule on there for the upcoming month. You can also find us on all the platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Music. And make sure you check us out and then email us too. Let us know if you're a group out there, individual would like to be on the show and have an interest in doing that. Email me at musicianscafe1 at gmail.com and I'll be sure to reach back out to you. We'll get you lined up for a show. We've got uh, we've got August booked and part of September, but we've got room after that. So talk to us and we'll get you on the show. In the meantime, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. Please stay out of the left lane if you're not passing because you're driving me crazy. And in the meantime, peace. <laughs>